are continuing on. As you know, we're doing a little series on the values um, of who we are as freedom. Church, so we've, we have looked already at a few of them. We, we've talked about valuing everybody. Um, we've talked about generosity. Um, we've talked about creativity. And we've talked about being outward looking um, to our community as well. And to, today I want to look at another area of that. We're looking really at how we can encourage everyone to grow in the gifts and in the talents that God has given to us. So I'm going to pray just for a moment. Um, just, Father, pray your blessing over what we share today. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to gather, even though it's in an unusual way. But thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning. And say we say, Lord God, we thank you for all you're doing in our lives. Thank you for every blessing that you've given to us. And we give you glory and honour in the precious and the most wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, nothing happens by chance. I hope you know that. Nothing happens by chance because God is always at work. In every situation, in every circumstance, he has a purpose. So even when it feels as if he's absent, or even if life just seems to be somewhat out of control, which it does a bit at the moment, we need to remember that we don't see the big picture. He does. God sees what's going on, and God has a purpose in everything, even in the joys of life, but also in the tragedies of life as well. And I believe that everything happens for a purpose and a reason. And very often what God is doing in all of this, he is shaping us and he is molding us into the person that he has created us to be. And God has uniquely gifted each and every one of you without exception. And some of you are musical. Some of you are very creative. Others of you have been gifted with maybe gifts of engineering or medicine um, or gifts of communication. Now, some of you are good dancers. That God has not given me the gift of, of dance, that's for sure. Uh, I can barely juggle, as you probably saw on, on the little, little video we did during the week. But the question I want to encourage you to explore this morning is this. Are you growing in the gifts and the talents that God has given to you? You see, it's very easy for us to allow division and maybe even jealousies to begin to creep in and even get to the stage where we want to be like someone else. And we can say to ourselves, you know, I would like to have the gift that he has. I want to be able to do what she is doing. So this morning, I want to encourage you to be the person that God has made you to be and to be faithful with what he has given to you. When I was doing my, my final exams at university, one of the students came to me one day and he, I was probably um, about two months before the final exams were about to take place. And he asked me if he could borrow some of my notes. This guy was married. He had a baby. He was, he was struggling to support his family. So he was working at nights in the supermarket, stacking shelves. And the, and the few lectures he did manage to attend, well, he pretty much slept through most of them. I asked him which notes he needed to borrow. And he says, you wouldn't mind if I could have them all. So over the next three, over the next two weeks or so, he, over the next two weeks or so, he needed to, um, he basically photocopied and he, he then learned off two weeks worth, or sorry, three years worth of notes. At the end, did our exams and 
I did okay. I got second class honors degree. It was, it was okay. I was happy enough for that, to be fair. And then I went to see how my friend had gotten on. And you never guess what? He got exactly the same mark as me. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, that's just not right. I, he doesn't deserve it. After all, I had been to all the lectures. I had done all the work. I, I, I had, those were my notes. He deserved to do at least worse than I did. It just didn't seem fair. Surely I deserve to do better than him. And sometimes, sometimes we think that way concerning God and the gifts and the blessings and the ministries that God has given to us is for him to decide. So listen, don't go around comparing yourselves to other people. It's God's business. What he does with them is not yours. Instead, look how God has been dealing with you. Look how he's blessed you and be totally satisfied in what God is doing within your own life. And if you're struggling to do this, why not just stop for a moment and look how far you've come. Look how far you've grown. Look how, what God has saved you from. Look where he's brought you to over the last few years, maybe even last few months. And listen, if you're really struggling, perhaps... Can I encourage you just to read from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That is our hope this morning. And God dispenses his blessings as he chooses, he is sovereign. He is in control over all. But of course, there are many examples throughout the Bible that um, just describe how God gifts people in many unique and very many different ways. And I want to give you an example this morning. It's an obscure one. It comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Judges and Judges chapter 3, verses 12 to 20. But just by background, just to say that the book of Judges is sort of covers a period of over 350 years. And in it, we see the cycle of events that just repeats itself over and over again, where Israel had this fatal attraction to foreign gods. And they stopped worshipping the one true God. And God allowed the nations around them to attack them. And then God would leave the nation of Israel to get on to their own devices and actually he would not, and, and basically God stopped fighting for them. They eventually realized that they had made such a grave mistake and they cry out to God for help. And God sends a judge and deliver to rescue them from their enemies. But time and time again, they sink back into appalling sin and into rebellion against God. And yet God still hears their cry for help and God still saves them out of his amazing grace. So this story is about one of those judges who had a very unique gift. Now it's a bizarre story, it's a vivid story, it's slightly humorous, well in a very dark humor sort of way, it's, it's somewhat disturbing. And Ehud, this guy, is perhaps the first in a long line of increasingly strange characters that God chooses to use to rescue his people. So in this story, we see how God uses all kinds of gifts. Moab, the nation Moab, was a distant relative of the nation of Israel. 
And they had been oppressing Israel. And in fact, they brought Israel to its very knees. And Ehud is the surprising answer to their prayer for help. He is James Bond and, and Indiana Jones sort of all rolled into one. And being left-handed, Ehud had a particular gift and he used it to the full. His brilliantly devised plan hinged on the surprise left-handed message from God and a strong message it was. So although God had used Eglon, the Moabite king, to discipline God's people, it was now time for Eglon to reckon with the holy God. The other fact perhaps you need to know about the story is that King Eglon was a very fat man. Anyway, Ehud, he walks calmly into the king's chamber and he tells him he's got a secret message to tell him. Foolishly, the king, the king said, as he clears the chamber, he asks everybody else to leave. And Ehud then stabs him, leaves his sword swallowed up by the king's fat and then calmly walks back out again, locking the door behind him. And this picture of this, this fat man locked in a room, supposedly relieving himself with a sword lost somewhere within his vast belly is certainly somewhat bizarre. It's, it's certainly gruesome, maybe a little bit humorous, but God is serious about it. He's rescuing his people from the clutches of an evil man. 10,000 more Moabites go the way of Eglon and then Israel gets 80 years of peace. So how did Ehud get away with this? Well, commentators believe that Ehud had a disability that affected his right arm. It meant that, that Ehud could actually couldn't use his right arm at all. However, the visible disability in his right hand and also his great skill with his left hand provided the perfect plan to liberate Israel from the Moabites. Ehud's disability actually became his greatest strength. Warriors in the ancient times would be trained to wield their sword with their right hand. Ehud, of course, was able to conceal the weapon on his right hand side where the king's guards would not have expected to look. They probably never even thought of searching there. After all, that arm could not work. It is, it is of no useful function whatsoever. What have you noticed? You noticed how God has got a history of raising up the most unexpected people to accomplish his purposes. He also has this reputation of turning disabilities into advantages. We must remember that God is not limited by human weakness, not even for a moment. God will accomplish his plan. And he used Moses, who had got a speech impediment, to lead Israel and to free them from slavery. He used David just as a young shepherd boy to kill Goliath. He used Paul, who suffered, we think, from an eye problem to evangelize the world. And, and we discover that God uses all kinds of people and all kinds of gifts. So you must never think that you, are, you have got nothing to offer God or that you are useless, or in any way that you are not needed. And also, you must never think that you need to try and be like someone else. See, all too often I hear people comparing themselves to others, and then, then they conclude that they're useless. I've even done it myself at times. You know, I've, I've, always, I've always wanted to be 
a bit more musical, to be a bit of a musician. I've even tried to learn the guitar at one time. But the trouble is I have absolutely no rhythm whatsoever. I can do the little sort of hand bit where you sort of change the chords. I'm not too bad at that end. But trying to strum in time is, is nigh impossible for me. It is just an absolute nightmare to sing to. And I've had to realize that God has not given me that gift. Listen, you need to understand how precious you are to God right now. You need to understand how much he loves you just as you are. No exceptions. God loves you this morning and he has gifted you uniquely and you must use those gifts to bring glory and to bring honor to his name. That's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 16, he says, if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were just an eye, how could you hear? If, or if the whole body was an ear, how could you smell? And arguing yourself into believing that you are useless as part of the body of Christ is simply not true. It is, hear me, it is simply not true. It is a lie of the enemy. You cannot believe it for a moment. Listen, Satan wants to destroy. He wants to bring you down. So we need to go back to the truth of God's word. We need to apply the truth of God's word to your life every single day. So here's my little summary of what I believe the Bible teaches. If you are part of the body of Christ, you come to him by faith, you put your trust in him. If you're part of the body of Christ, you are not useless, but rather you are made in the image of God with you're filled with the spirit of God. You have an essential part to play in the building up and in the encouragement of the church. So the gifts that God has blessed you with, he wants you to use them. He does. He wants you to use them. So if you say, I'm useless because my function is not as good as somebody else's, you're not only saying no to the biblical principle of the church functioning like a body, but worse, you are saying no to God. See, resenting your gifts or, 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 or the work of the Holy Spirit within your life is a way of not trusting in God. I'm not saying that we shouldn't long for spiritual gifts that we don't have. I do believe there is such a thing as a, as a dissatisfied contentment. And it's right to seek God for more, for more of him. So you need to learn how to mingle contentment in the sovereignty, in the, sorry, in the sovereign goodness of God with a godly discontentment, with a holy yearning, with fervent prayer. Listen, to desire more of Christ, to grow in him, to mature in Christ is a good thing. It's a godly thing to seek more of him. But don't dismiss what you already have. You are useful just as you are. You are needed at this very moment. You are a child of God. You are an heir of God. You are co-heirs with Christ. That's who you are. So even, even if you're seeking for a gift for tomorrow, and that's good, that's okay. If you're seeking for that, do not call into question the wisdom of God in what he has given you for today. Can I encourage you to be thankful?
Be thankful for how God has done in your life, what he's doing in your life, and also what he's going to do in your life. But be thankful for the gifts and the blessings he's given you this moment. The second thing I want to say is this, that God is unique each and every time that he acts. And how God uses you, how he uses me, is often a surprise. God is full of surprises. And yet, this story of Ehud actually is not that unusual after all. If, if we look at the key ingredients, the main ingredients again, the sin, the judgment, the cry, the deliverer, the victory, the peace that comes, they are all there as usual. And God is working to a plan He's working according to his character. So in one sense, God's way of salvation is very predictable. And you can know for sure how God will respond to you when you cry out to him for mercy. However, each and every time he acts, each and every time he does it, he does it differently. And there are many people can testify how God has been working in their life. And each of our stories is very different. Now, you don't need me to tell you this morning that the need to be rescued, the need to be delivered has simply not gone away because actually the problem of sin has not gone away. So your sin needs to be dealt with. The Bible is very clear about this. Your sin needs to be put to death, just like King Eglon needed to be dealt with. And, and but if you've ever tried to do this, if you've ever tried to do this in your own effort, you will know that you simply can't. Self-will does not work. Saying no, it's not enough. It, 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 we just give in eventually. That's why you need Jesus. That's why the cross is the central message of the Christian faith. See, without the cross of Jesus, you have no hope. You have no forgiveness. You have no eternal life. This Friday, as you know, is Good Friday. And on that day, we remember when Jesus died on the cross. It marks the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where in 1 Peter chapter 2.24, we are reminded that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and that we may live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This is what we, as what theologians call the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ for you. Big words. What it means is this. He simply took your place. He died for you. He took your place. He loved you so much that he took your punishment for sin. Jesus, the sinless son of God, was so unjustly treated. If you know the story of the crucifixion, it is horrendous. You know, Roman soldiers were skilled torturers. And they, first of all, they took Jesus and they would torture him. They, they used a barbaric whip made of leather embedded with bits, balls of metal and, and hooks. And they whipped his back. They cut his back into ribbons. In fact, the pain was so intense that many people who were tortured in this, in this way died as a result of it. And Jesus endured all of that. Then they placed a cross 
on his shoulders and they made him carry it to the hill of crucifixion. And again, if you know the story, you'll know how he fell and somebody else had to carry it for him. When they got him up there, they nailed him to that cross and they took metal spikes and they drove one through each wrist. They put the left foot on top of the right and they took a long metal spike and they, and they put it through both arches of his feet. And then that cross was lifted and placed in a hole in the ground. And there Jesus was left to die in the most horrific of ways. And yet, yet he was completely innocent of any crime. He had not done nothing wrong, nothing, nothing to deserve this. But what is interesting in the New Testament is that there's very little said about Jesus' physical pain. Because it fades in comparison to the the unique spiritual pain of Jesus on the cross as he is cut off from God, his father. You see, on the perfect sinless Jesus was placed the sins of this world, your sin and mine. Jesus took the punishment that you deserved. And through faith in him alone, you can be taken from death to life. That's the hope we have this time of year at Easter. Listen, there is no other way to receive eternal life. He, Jesus, is the ultimate substitution. And when Jesus was taken down from the cross, he was buried. He was buried in a tomb borrowed from somebody else. It just seemed like the end. The disciples thought it was all over. Everybody thought it was finished. But neither death nor Satan could hold Jesus down. And after three days... Jesus victoriously was raised back to life. The resurrection power of God that raised the sinless Jesus back to life, listen, has brought life to millions of sinful men and women who by faith have repented, have turned from their sins and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know I'm talking to some of you this morning who understand that completely. When Jesus rose, he just ripped apart the power of death. He destroyed the enemy and victoriously he brings life. So we can shout with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? See, our hope, our victory is found in Jesus. He is our hope for now, but also for all of eternity when we put our trust in him today. And this, listen, this is the greatest, greatest gift of all. Freely given to all who believe. So if you are a child of God, Listen, you can never say that you are not gifted. When you have received the most incredible life-giving gift that is priceless, that is beyond compare, the gift of salvation. You know, there are many different stories of what God has been doing in your life. I could tell you many stories of what God has done in my life. And yes, and yes, they're all different, but there's something wonderful as we come together and just celebrate all that Jesus Christ has done. Let's be thankful for him this morning. And the third thing I want to say is this, that churches should not squeeze everybody into a certain mold. You know, there needs to be a balance in how we live our life with Jesus. 
on one side we have the balance of of, of we have one side we have maybe a more extreme of being cautious and and thinking through everything methodically and some of us are like that on the other side we have sort of people who are just a little bit crazy they do the most crazy things and they they're just sort of trust god for the results and and once again we see many examples of this throughout the bible there are men and women who are uniquely gifted by god but they all have one gift in common the gift of faith there's a man called joab in second samuel chapter 10 who took up arms for the cause of god he said May the Lord do what seems good to him. And then perhaps more familiarly, the Esther, people certainly hopefully know the story of Esther, who risked her life for the Jewish people in exile. And she said, if I perish, I perish. And then there are people like Shedrach, Meshach and Abednego who stood unflinchingly before the fiery furnace. And they're able to say, listen, if God... If God does not deliver us, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image, Daniel chapter 10. And then there's Paul, the apostle Paul, whose life seems to be this roller coaster ride of just incredible amount of risk. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, is to complete the task. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Acts 20, verse 24. Listen, listen to me. We do not know what the future holds. We have no idea what lies in front of us. And in fact, I mean, nobody could have predicted what we're going through at the moment. These are uncertain times. And God rarely reveals very detail, the big details of what's going to happen in our lives. Instead, he gives us the gift of faith. He calls us to walk by the Spirit, to walk in the power of the Spirit. However, he does not want you to respond to the uncertainties that we see all around us with paralyzing fear. Neither does he want your love of security to lead to excessive caution. Instead, he teaches us again and again to take risks for the cause of God. Because the Bible's very clear. The Bible's clear that the love of Christ does not remove people from suffering or from challenges that we will face. Obedience is risky. It is. Obedience is actually very, very risky. Paul says in Romans 8, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But listen, you can be sure, you can be absolutely sure that suffering will never separate you from the love of God because the love of God always triumphs. But even more, when you take a risk for the cause of God and you come against the enemy who wants to do you harm, you can be sure that you will defeat him with the weapon of faith. But listen, the enemy is not just defeated. He is captured by the power that Christ has won for you on the cross. And all of this is through the triumphant love of Christ. For it says, in all these things, you, that's you, by the way, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him who loves you. So as you walk the path of faith, 
you will discover why God will not settle for anything less than the impossible. Because in everything that he does, he aim, his aim is surely to show that there is nothing too difficult for the Lord to do. His purpose in all that he does is to display his glory, is to bring honor to his most glorious, to his most precious and to his most holy name. It's about his honor. It's about his glory. And God's glory that was perfectly and most magnificently displayed through Jesus Christ should also be displayed through you and through me each and every day, his church. So I'll say it again. Use your gifts, use your talents for him. Do it for his glory. It's for his honor, it's for his praise. And yet at the same time, we must never, we must never lose sight of our unworthiness before God. Because if we do, listen, we, we can risk exercising our gifts, fulfilling our ministries with an attitude of just presumptuous pride, as if God is somehow fortunate to have us on his team. Listen, without him, we are nothing but guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. But listen, he has reached down from heaven in love to a people who do not deserve. And by his grace, we have received his free, unmerited favour. So today, I want to urge you, I want to urge you to be thankful, to be thankful for what God has done, thankful for the many gifts that God has given to you, the different abilities that God has put within your life. But it's you're never going to reach your full potential in isolation. We are a body. Even though we're separated by a bit of a distance because we can't physically be together, we are the body of Christ and we need each other to function. And we function best when we function together. So every one of you is needed. I hope you hope you hear this. Every one of you is needed. Every one of you has an important role to play in encouraging others and edifying and building up the church. And listen, there's this constant need to, to be developing our gifts, to be using our talents that God has given us. But there's also a need for us to, do, to be developing new leaders, to be, to be encouraging people to take on new roles of responsibility. So we need to be keen to learn. We need to be eager to encourage. We need to be building up one another. And we need men to be mentoring younger men, to get alongside them, to encourage them, to put good accountability in place. We need, we need our women to be getting alongside younger women, to teach them, to show them, to, to encourage them to develop their gifts. And listen, I'm, I'm glad to say this is already happening. I've had texts during the week of what just encourage what, what you're doing to one and how you're, you're coming alongside one another, blessing one another at this particular time. But listen, it's never been more important. So keep going. Keep loving each other. Reach out to those who need a phone call. Listen, if, you, if somebody needs a little bit of food, buying from the shops, listen, let's let each other know. But also let's keep asking. Let's keep connecting with one another. And I want to encourage you to build one another up. And listen, never stop praying for one another. Keep praying, keep praying. I want to finish just this talk with a prayer, if that's okay. I've borrowed it from Colossians chapter one, 
Paul prays over the believers there. I want to pray the prayer over us as a church at this time. So if you're comfortable, want to hold out your hands. You know, sometimes we want to receive from God. It's good to get in a position to be able to receive. And, and sometimes our bodies can, you know, we can just, uh, can be a really good way. So if, if somebody wants to give you something, you hold your hands out to receive it. So why not be willing to receive from God today as we just pray, just as we bring everything to a close. So Father in heaven, I want to pray over each one of us, Father, that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit, come. Come and just minister into people's homes right now, wherever they are. Father, you know, Father, we just pray that for that tangible sense of your presence. Just be willing to receive from him. Just because we're not all together in one room. Listen, God, by his Spirit, can reach you right now, wherever you are. Even if you're by yourself at the moment, God's with you. His Holy Spirit is ministering to your life. I want to pray that you would live a life worthy of the Lord, that you would please him in every way. I want to pray that you would bear fruit in every good work, that you would grow in the knowledge of God. I want to pray that you'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience listen this time we need endurance and we certainly need patience holy spirit i want to pray just that you reach out to god god bring patience pour out your love pour out your patience pour out your strength into those that just need a fresh touch from you this morning just receive that. Just allow the Holy Spirit to minister into your life, into your heart. And then finally, I want to pray. We'll give thanks, joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Joy is a wonderful thing. You know, you can have joy even within all of this. So, Father, may you pour out the joy of the Lord into people's homes, over people's lives right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And listen, one of the things of receiving joy is about knowing that your inheritance is with Jesus Christ. And listen, if you're not a Christian, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you need to do that because then you can know true joy. That doesn't compare to anything else. And you can do that very simply. You just come, you come and you, you accept, first of all, that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus. Then you believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. He died for you. He rose again. He is alive today. You can talk to him. You can ask him to change your life, to change your heart. And then you come to him. And you confess your sins as you repent of your sins, as you confess with your mouth, as you believe you receive the gift of God. Listen, you can receive him today. I want to just pray as we bring this to a close. Father, I want to why not just say these words after me? Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done many wrong things. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I want to turn from those sins and I want to turn to you and I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, come and make that difference. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, why not drop a little message to myself? Um, you can find my details on Facebook. You can find them on the website, um, you, um, newfrontierschester.org. Um, or you can, you can drop a private message to me. I would love to hear because then we can, we can just have a chat and just encourage one another together.